Hello, this is Futurist Gert Leonhardt. These are my keynote speeches as podcasts. I'm going to talk to you about the future of technology the next 5-10 years. Let's start right here. Today we have this, right? We are worried about the future. We're concerned about the future. The corona crisis has really done a total reset for just about every part of our lives. Private and business and economics all coming together in some very, very hefty challenges. But I'm here to tell you this. The future is better than we think. The future was already better than we think uh, just two years ago, because when we look at the future, many people have a fear of the future. They're worried about uh, automation, about intelligent machines, about geopolitics, about China. Uh, the story goes on. But when we look at the facts, all the things that are available to us now and the things that we can do with technology, well, pretty much all we need is to make the right decisions, which I'll talk about later. But let's start with this. The future is better than we think, and I think we're going to look up for a great rebound and recovery later this year in 2021. We're going into the future in warp drive mode. I mean, the COVID crisis has accelerated everything around us, the good things and the bad things. Technology has popped up everywhere. Technology has been the winner of the corona crisis, right? Big tech. Uh, we're using technology absolutely everywhere now for uh, conference calls, for connecting with people, for online collaboration. Warp drive into the future. We've seen more transformation in the past uh, 12 months than the previous 10 years. And the way that we look at the future, clearly it's up to us to say, well, is this a crisis or is it an opportunity? Yes, of course, it's a crisis. You know, it's difficult for all of us, including myself. But the future is created by our choices, is what we choose that we want to have, what we choose what's important to us, what kind of rules we establish, what is the ultimate goal of our company, and of course, our lives are our own situations. And so this is really about choice. And it's very important to realize as we're moving into this future, that essentially the, the definition of normal is kind of gone now. And it started to be that way even before the COVID crisis. But, but, but now we've realized the word normal hardly applies. It's kind of going away. Uh, and the world is upside down in so many ways, including stimulus packages and unemployment benefits and furlough and all the fundamental changes that we've gone through last year. And this is only the beginning. We're going to a decade of huge shifts to a decarbonized society, not relying on oil and gas anymore, to technology, doing all of our routine work. And most of these things are good, but we have to understand them. We have to wrap our hands around the sort of upside down normal world. Four things that came out of 2021. First, big tech. Right? Everything is about technology now. And big tech is clearly hands down the winner of this. And that goes with big health. You know, it's all going to be about healthcare and pharma and well-being and all of those things that that uh, have percolated for years, but now they're really in the in the public emphasis. And clearly, technology and uh, biology are converging, right? Big state, yeah, that's happening everywhere. The state has a lot more influence now because they have to make the rules of emergencies like pandemics right? or other emergencies like climate change that's coming. And that is the last point, of course, big green. Don't make a mistake here, right? We're not going back to what we had before the COVID crisis in terms of unlimited possibilities of spending, fossil fuel subsidies and all these things. We're going to tackle this now because now we know what an emergency looks like and how we can respond and how we can find the collective response. 
and solidarity. Right? So very, very important. Those four things will define our next decade. And when you think about supply chain in your business, clearly, yeah, most of that is a def definitive plus uh, to your business. We're going to reorganize many things, but we're going to need collaboration. We're going to need technology. We're going to need to understand each other. Very important point, as I was saying earlier, as we move into this warp drive future, more transformation in the past 12 months than the previous five years. Uh, Mind-boggling, all, the, all these things that we've already had. Like, I mean, we've had telemedicine, we've had work in the cloud, we had remote content conferences working in the cloud, but now it's normal, right? It's like we push a button and yeah, everybody's working online, everybody's working in the cloud, and issues like security and others, of course, have become very, very big and will get even bigger. Here's a great chart I saw, I saw the other day on Twitter, so I include it in here. What drove digital transformation in your company? Not the CEO, the CTO, but COVID-19. And, and that is a plus, I think, even though, of course, technology does not have all the answers for the things that we're looking for, which I'll comment later, but this is clearly what's happening all around us. And we're moving into a world that's become completely digital. Uh, this is the virtual office. Uh, the Infinite Office, I think, by Oculus Rift, Facebook. Uh, if you ever get a chance to try the Oculus Rift, it's pretty amazing. It takes a lot of practice, not quite like this yet in, in the public version, but imagine you could work like this in your home office. I just work by completely immer immersing yourself in a virtual environment. It could be heaven or it could be hell, right? But when you take them off, how would you look at the world? Would it be boring, right? It could be, right? And of course, other stuff that we've seen points towards this simple bottom line, you know, is this the end of analog? The analog world and paper and printing is closing. Yes, we're going to have paper, we're going to have newspapers, we're going to have books. But in business, it's going digital, every process connected, f fast, smart. Right? That is, of course, a big change in our entire economy. Like here, you can see the uh, digital twin, I think this is from Siemens, showing how production can be mirrored in the cloud and supervised and you can get faster and more efficient and predict breakdowns of equipment and so on. Clearly the end of analog is also coming into other eras like meat. Right? I mean, now we have companies making artificial meat in a lab from the cells of a cow or a, or a, a pork right? or actual livestock right? and create meat that tastes like it came from an animal but it's actually from a lab. Now that's quite, you know, still kind of analog because you have to eat it. But uh, this is clearly a big shift in our lives when we look all around this segment. And the asterisk means as we are going digital in the end of analog, at the same time, we're going to need to figure out how to rehumanize technology so that we don't end up isolated on some network cloud and never going to an office. That's not really a human future. So our future is going to be about being hybrid, you know, being using technology, but also making sure that we're still human, we're still meeting, we still have human needs. And I think this is going to be very, very important in the future. Technology is not what we seek, it's how we seek. It's a tool. And we have to keep that in mind when we look at the future. Let's talk about the 10 game changes. You know, this is the most important part of transformation. You know, I talked a lot about digital transformation before COVID in the last decade, really. But what people fail to see sometimes is this is not just about digital. And it certainly isn't just about technology, it's also about our transformation. Right? But these 10 game changes are everywhere now and they're exploding because of the COVID crisis and they're exploding because we're ready. I 
big data, cloud computing, the internet of everything, quantum computing, natural language processing, right? uh, artificial intelligence, uh, the blockchain, 3D printing, virtuality, and after all, genome editing, less of a concern here. But uh, let me direct your attention here to natural language processing. We're going to speak to computers. They're going to speak to us. We're going to use voice commands. We're going to use natural interfaces. And this is like imminent. Right now, if you speak to a computer, you'll get, you know, if you speak very slowly and patiently and without any strange words like my own name, uh, you know, then, then it works fine. But in the future, we're going to be there very quickly where we can have full interactions with machines that will understand our language in a very complex way. And it's quite clear what that's going to mean for supply chain, now being able to have language control devices. And I mean, these game changes are impacting everything. When you're talking about production, R&D, marketing, shipping, right? everything connected. Um, and of course, there are drawbacks from everything being connected, like equipment failure, like bias, you know, having a, a software that doesn't actually give you the real read, and of course, security. Very, very big topic to tackle. Uh, as we're connecting absolutely everything. We're going to have 9 billion people on the internet in 2030, right? 9 billion. And we're probably going to have up to a trillion devices connected on the internet, possibly more. Quite clearly here, you know, to summarize the previous game changes, data is the new oil. But it's also kind of a plutonium. It could be used as a weapon. Like we see social media right now, Facebook is using our data kind of as a weapon. And that, is, that needs to stop. So, uh, different discussion here. But the second point is artificial intelligence is the new electricity. It's the power that puts all the data in the right place. If the system isn't intelligent, then what, is, what good is the data? It's just another data point. The Internet of Things is the new nervous system. It's like, think of this as a nervous system, like a body. Everything is flowing together into the central nervous system. That is basically what we have, uh, sort of a new meta level, right? where it's like a meta intelligence that's being built. Voice control and virtuality and all that together in terms of how we hear and how we see the world, those are the new senses. And, and that's where I think you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what we make out of those senses. Voice control is one thing. There are many funny stories about voice control. Right? But virtuality is going to be also a question of how humans actually relate to it and what we think of it and how we like it. I mean, clearly, this future is not just connected, it's exponentially faster. It's converging industries, for example, supply chain, logistics, all converging with other sectors like quantum computer, the Internet of Things, and so on, all coming together to create combinatorial products. Right? So as we're looking at this future, it is all those things Gradually, then suddenly, think of it truly like Star Trek, you know, a uh, warp drive. You hit the warp drive button, it just goes boom. Right? And in 10 years, we're going to be 4, 8, 16, 32, 256 on the exponential scale. That's 300x of today. Can you imagine? So, Forster Report says that basically traditional supply chain works as follows, which is a predefined workflow, right? If this and that. And that's how it currently works. In the future, we're going to have a sort of non-deterministic system where the workflows aren't all defined, you know, where the system can learn and can be flexible, right, and handle different business rules. That's going to be crucial, ultimately, for us. That's going to be very, very powerful. Uh, 
to uh, control this and to figure out how we can be more efficient and faster. So let's move on and say, well, basically what's happening all around us is that science fiction is becoming science fact. If you're a scientist, you know this is, this is true because what we're discovering now, is the speed is just out there, mind-boggling fast. We, we haven't seen this kind of development. Everything happened in real time. And in 10 years, we could have nuclear fusion. In 10 years, we could have supercomputing. I mean, we're, we're, we're leaping and bounding in science and technology. And so when we see this, for example, right, this is an app called GPT-3. Uh, it's an artificial intelligent engine that generates uh, products on demand. So you can type something or speak something, and then it will act like, like a human that creates, for example, an app or a CSS code or JavaScript or anything that's like on the lowest part of the... Uh, of the engineering food chain here. <laughs> but imagine, I mean, we can just tell the app to create something that has to do with programming or uh, with creating answers of photo albums or any of those things, right? Uh, GPT-3, you should look it up on YouTube, it's pretty mind-boggling. And we have to understand what they mean as we're moving to sort of voice control territory, for example. Here's a really interesting uh, statistic right, that shows you what happens with image processing, which we know is already pretty good. It's not perfect, but close. And language processing, yeah, we're still a little bit away from translation. But sentence parsing, and yes, we're going to be able to speak to machines. They speak back to us, uh, and it becomes a sort of a, a really vastly improved interface. I think in the future, if I want to find out my research for, for speaking uh, on my speaking gigs, I can just speak to my wristwatch and say, please, provide the following, <laughs> uh, a bit of Star Trek right there. So there's a new era of customer service coming up with fully automated uh, chatbots and, uh, and voice activation and bot purchasing and all that stuff. It's, it's the uh, evolution to what's called conversational AI, which means that we can converse with an app. Right? Let's, when we talk about AI, let's not get confused here. These are not intelligent like we are. You know, they're really just more IA, intelligent assistants. But nevertheless, very, very powerful stuff, especially for your business, as we're heading into this deeply transformational decade. Uh, corona is going to be sort of in the corner of this. It's egging on lots and lots of changes. But beyond this, you know, we're, we're going into a decade that is truly going to make a vast difference in how we look at our business. For example, connectivity, of course but also the question of globalization. And many people have spoken about the last two years about supply chains disconnecting and rethinking supply chains. I think that's all going to happen. We're going to paralyze and be more secure for other pandemics and generally speaking, what's called globalization. But in the end, it's going to come back down to this. If we want to do business, we have to collaborate. We have to find interfaces. Uh, we have to communicate. Uh, we have to come back to the principle of multilateralism, which is amazing, coming back, I think, uh, in the next two years after this sort of period of isolationism a little bit, I think will be followed by renewed multilateralism, hyper-collaboration. And also, of course, if we look at the future of Europe, we talked about this again for, I don't know, forever, really. But we're heading into that future, the United States of Europe. And this is going to be crucial, especially if you're in Italy, but not just in Italy, for everybody because we're finally getting to the point where we can collaborate on important issues. Cybersecurity, water, food, energy, a truly common market. There are, there are lots of drawbacks here, but yes, this is going to be important for our future to think about this. As, for example, 
is what's going to happen or is happening in America. Right? Seeing the great American pivot, how America is turning around again to, to become another decent country and the global leader, uh, that is going to make a vast difference for all of us here in Europe as well. So these are the sort of the mega shifts above, the mega trends above everything else. So talking about mega now, I'm going to talk to you about the mega shifts, and this is an important topic, and hence, uh, let's start here. Uh, what's happening all around us, and this is McKinsey calls a $10 trillion opportunity, uh, everything that used to be uh, dumb and disconnected is coming out, uh, going through the transformer, becoming smart, right? Smart cities, smart energy, smart home, and of course, you guessed it, smart supply chain. And that is not going to be rocket science in the sense of, you know, X machina or true intelligent machines. It is just using smart software, smart solutions and cloud-based solutions. And so smart everything, connected everything, exponential change that's coming. That's really what all the mega shifts are all about. If you want to download the chapter from my book on the mega shifts, that's chapter three. Um, you can do that right here at megashifts.digital. This is important. Also, it's available in 12 languages, so you can download that uh, on Megashifts of Digital as you like. But the Megashifts are basically what happens when all the tech comes together. Right? So all of a sudden, we have cognification. Uh, systems are getting smart. We have, of course, platformization. As we know, the platform economy is everywhere now. Disintermediation. Those are all shifts happening all around us. We have to understand them. And so I'm just going to take a quick stab at them here, but clearly, we need to understand them because digitization is really 90% opportunity and 10% 10, 10 threat. And that threat, of course, is things like bias and, uh, and bad information and manipulation and uh, over-automation and, and those kind of things. But that's basically what's happening all around us that we have to understand what is going to be that handshake between humans and machines. And I personally think that uh, despite of all the automation, we need to stay in charge, we need to stay in the loop, uh, we need to keep up our relationships with our customers because in the end business is always going to be about trust and relationships and engagement, not just about technology. So this is going to be very important that we find the right balance that's going to require regulation, for example, of some of the technology companies. Let's talk about humans and machines and how we're going to interact with machines in the future. You have noticed, of course, when you're looking around Basically, any routine that a machine can learn, the machine will eventually do. It's, co it's called the end of routine. Right? The machine ge is getting smart. It's no longer dumb. It can learn. But, of course, you can say, well, many jobs are only partly routine. For example, a call center. Right? Then I think we're going to give some of those jobs to machines and move up the food chain and do other things that only humans can do because the important thing about AI is of course, this definition here from Demis Hassab is from DeepMind. The important thing is that we realize what it can and what it cannot do. This, by the way, is Amelia, customer service agent from IPsoft for Credit Suisse. The definition is computer systems that turn information and data into knowledge. Think about that for a second, right? Knowledge. I mean, isn't, isn't that what we have, knowledge? Well, machines will have a certain amount of knowledge, like this avatar from Samsung, the Samsung Neon is called the artificial human, which is a bit of an overstatement here, right? But it's essentially a fancy avatar that we can use for online interaction. They make it look quite real. It, it could be quite confusing when you think about it. But, but think about knowledge. You know, what kind of knowledge does a machine have? Logic. It's just logic. 
What's our knowledge? Well, it's a lot more than logic, right? Emotions, understanding, awareness. So when we talk about AI, it's important that we understand where the real action is, and that goes beyond this idea of AI as we've seen it in the movies or intelligent assistance. It's basically machine learning and deep learning. That is where the action is, especially in supply chain. So machine learning is given the uh, computer the ability to learn and find insights without programming. And that is the crucial part, right? Because machines are learning from what they see, so to speak, and hear and understand, they can improve. And deep learning, that's basically trying to find patterns in decision making. And this is where all the action is going to be in supply chain and generally, I think, in business. It's not going to be about being like a human. Now, that is a far cry. I think we're at least 30 years away from this. But the impact on supply chain of machine learning and deep learning is going to be fundamental. I think 98% positive, but we have to understand it and we have to also gear up for it and get ready for this. As uh, many companies are saying, AI is reshaping the supply chain, natural language processing of every is everywhere. So in a nutshell, three things here. As data is everything and everywhere and data is available all over the place now, it goes into the cloud and, and cloud everything is really the, the, the prerequisite for any of this. And then AI is smart everything. This is where we are going and beyond that I think it's going to be about smart interfaces. Right? So the interfaces are digital as well as physical. Uh, that's where we are going in the long run. And so the thing about what we're going to do is really quite simple. Everything that can be digitized or automated, robotized, virtualized will be. Uh, machines are learning this. But we shouldn't fear that because we're not going to become useless humans just because the, the software is getting smarter. The reverse is true. Anything that cannot be digitized, which there is a lot, <laughs> will become even more valuable. Think about that for a second. What's the most valuable thing about your work? It isn't going to be about finding facts or filling out a spreadsheet. Right? It's about imagination, ethics, empathy, emotions, intuition, relationships, mystery. And this is where humans become a lot more valuable. And so what? let's, let's have the machines do the uh, commodity work, uh, the, the tough part of computing, whether it's in the factory or whether it's in financial planning right, or supply chain supervision or management of important processes. Uh, I think in the end, that interface between humans and machines, that's what it comes down to. What will that look like? I'm convinced that when you look at the facts around us, that the end of routine is not the end of human work. It's a shift of human work. Like you see here the slide with Amazon. Amazon is the master of automation, of course, and some of it is not really positive for people. But of course, Amazon has hired 200,000 people uh, just a little, just last year. And, and I think we're going to see more of this. You know, it's quite clear that uh, as we're moving up the food chain, we can create new work for each other. Because uh, here's the important part is, Luciano Furidi says from uh, Oxford Ethics, a really smart person on AI, uh, algorithms outperform humans when it's not about understanding emotion, intention, interpretations, language, consciousness. Uh, keep that in mind. Many things are exactly about this, about understanding emotions and intentions, reading between the lines. That's going to be our job in the future. That's why we shouldn't worry so much about technology taking our job but upskilling those things like understanding 
intentions, interpretations. You know. So, the Morovec paradox says that whatever is easy for a human is hard for a computer and vice versa. That is where we are going. Clearly, we're going to be able to get straight to the point as we are now as humans. Understanding other humans takes us 0.4 seconds without saying a word. Computer can't quite do that yet. Right? And then we have to ask the question, which part of this is still going to be good for us or not so good for us? Like social media has turned out not to be so good for us uh, in its extremity. Yeah? So we have to be able to make a judgment. We have to ask questions. As Picasso once allegedly said, uh, computers are for answers, humans are for questions. And Kevin Kelly kind of expanded on this in, the, in recent years. So one thing, for example, is emotional intelligence. That is something that we really need to get into uh, and improve. Uh, and that also goes for diversity in our companies because it comes with the EQ. Allegedly, women have more EQ, which you can clearly see in this scene here with Angela Merkel wanting to handshake, but you know, you know who not. So it's really interesting how many uh, shifts we're going to go through towards the uh, the time frame and the and the era of emotional intelligence. So to wrap up the AI topic, let's forget about everything that we've seen in the movies, what AI is and what it can or could be doing. This is mostly based on fear. Uh, and it's mostly based, of course, on, on being able to sell uh, access to the movie. But let's focus, when we think about AI, on competence, not consciousness. Stuart Russell from UC Berkeley talks about this a lot in his book, Human Compatible, which I very much recommend. Uh, let's focus on machines being competent and, and getting the job done, not on being aware of anything. So let me give you some final thoughts and, and ask the question, okay, so what does all of this mean for my future? Uh, that is the key question. You know, when, when we think about the future, even just the five, ten years that are coming, you know, we sometimes are like, okay, that's been interesting, but what? You know, so what do I do now? Well, firstly, because we are in this deeply transformational decade, we have to really get a future mindset. We have to start understanding what's happening. So observing, understanding, not predicting, observing, right? paying attention, listening, to build your future mindset, to understand what's coming so you can get ready. As soon as you understand what's happening and you're starting to develop a response, that is your ticket to the future, whether it's your company or, of course, your own or your kids, for that matter. Question assumptions. You know, like, like many things before the COVID crisis, we said, no, that's not possible. That will never work. Nobody will ever do this. And all of a sudden, people are. And the European Commission, the European government, uh, the European uh, Parliament has come up with a stimulus package without asking for very much. That was unheard of before COVID, I including Merkel, you know, kind of uh, uh, saying yes on this one, questioning our assumptions. We have to constantly ask questions, is this still the right thing to assume? Uh, am I assuming the wrong thing because then I, then I march in the wrong direction? Imagine, uh, explore, play. I can't say, how, you know, how, how important this is when, when we're trying to really change what we do things, the ability to play, to explore. And, of course, companies giving room for exploration. This is really important. Otherwise, well, we don't come up with new things. We just repeat right? and adapt and pivot. Think of a new business model. How many companies have pivot? Uh, look at Airbnb, for example, in the whole COVID crisis, how they are now pivoting out in a different direction and gone public after all. Transforming what we do, responding to the changes, right? being resilient. That's all a question of practice and 
and allowing the space to happen. So that's what I call the future mindset. Very, very important uh, to get that kicked off. Then let's forget about this concept of constant efficiency. Efficiency is great, but you know, many times I say half jokingly, of course, uh, efficiency is for robots. I mean, efficiency is great, but really what we want is we don't want to focus on just efficiency, but on creativity. Use technology to rewrite how things work, uh, to change the way that you interact with partners, uh, to change the way that you, you speak to customers, uh, to improve and create a whole different business. I mean, the reason that Tesla is so powerful now and, and has become so, so loved by people is not because they make better cars. Right? It, it's a completely different kind of car. In fact, it isn't a car. It's just software on wheels. Right? So <laughs> creativity should be the, how we use technology and how we move forward into a world uh, where this concept of the ecosystem, right, a closed universe, everybody has their own little pie, yeah, that will clearly not work in the future. The future is going to be about ecosystems. You know, we're all connected, we're all working on similar objectives, we're all using each other's technology and data. And, and this can be unnerving sometimes because you feel like you may be less in control. But this is where we're going. And I think a good technology solutions in the cloud or, or in, in general are going to be about building ecosystems. And the most powerful ecosystems, of course, are running our world of technology. And so, in terms of our own approach to the future, the key is for us is to play out our humanity, to be an awesome human, right? to be a human that, that is developed, that can think, right? that has questions, that has judgment, consciousness, ethics. Right? And on top of this amazing technology, our uh, mental capacity isn't just about zeros and ones, about logic, it's about all that stuff. You know, there's, there's like a dozen different type of human intelligence, social, intellectual, kinesthetic, emotional. That's what we should pursue, and that's what our kids should learn also. They should learn how to be an awesome human, and then some technology. Bring back music and ethics and philosophy in the schools, uh, uh, then along, again, along with technology. That is the key to our future, awesome humans. And I guarantee you, if your company is comprised of awesome humans, and it's using amazing technology, that is the ticket you need. Going back to what I said about the mindset, right? The future belongs to those that can hear it, see it coming. Who said this? David Bowie. In the 80s. We have to pay attention to what goes on, and this is of course why you're here now. This is going to be your ticket to success by paying attention to what future is coming. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. Find out more about my work at techvshuman.com, techvshuman.com, and at futuristgirt.com.